My brother Tomas, welcome to the show, the Realize Today podcast. It's been an honor getting to know you, brother, over the last few months or more, probably like more like six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and welcome, brother. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you, man. It's good to be here. Yeah. Happy to be here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I love so much of the your writing and the work that you've been posting and just kind of how you show up in the world and um, something that caught my attention my attention recently and where I'd love to start is you wrote something on Instagram. I was like, the suffering is the trailhead to your expansion. Um, and maybe those weren't the exact words, but I have such a, such a similar viewpoint on life. And so many people I talk to um, have a similar story um, and, and similar opinions on, on how their suffering was a gift. Um, and I would just love to know a little bit about your story and about um, how your suffering led to your expansion. Hmm. hmm. Where where do I begin? <laughs> um, um. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's a tricky one. I'm trying to figure out where that first trailhead was (laughs) yeah yeah well i know that there's been plenty you know and we've had so many conversations around addiction and escapism and you know just those points in our life when things led us to choose something different you know um Hmm. yeah i mean it's been kind of a it was a long journey before i actually said yes to um, exploring that trailhead, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of my discomfort really like got loud in my, in my teen years. Um, and then I started to fall into more addictive habits and patterns like the latter half of my teens. And it really started amplifying in my early twenties and kept going all the way up until I was about 30. Um, and it, you know, it trickled on beyond that um but it's been just a lot of exploring and <laughs> yeah i'm not sure where to start with that because there's just so many things happening you know all the time and um yeah well, what are some of the things that you know you've been exploring and um you know, modalities that you've mm. implemented into your life um, that have really helped you, you mm. know, um, live a life of devotion. Because, you know, that's really what I feel when I um, connect with you. Um, you seem very, very devoted. Um, yeah. And I, I really respect the way you show up in that way. You know, I, w- I will say that I think there was a time in my life where I was just really frustrated and I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, I wanted to, you know, be more creative. I was, this is what I was focusing on anyways. I, you know, I wanted to be, I had these ideas that I wanted to like be a musician or, you know, a visual artist, or I felt, and a lot of that was kind of attached to my worth too. Um, but what ended up happening was, well, I think a lot of this started with a few things. Um, one of them being like, 
a relationship that acted that served as a catalyst in my life um that oh that like took me by force a little bit i i cared a lot about it um something outside of myself and a romantic relationship uh-huh, yeah and um after having been in that relationship you know i started to i read there was a moment where i recognized that um i wasn't showing up in a good way um i wasn't able to keep my emotions in check i was acting in ways that i couldn't hold like i i wasn't in i wasn't in charge and i was being completely overrun by like my my unconscious my these old wounds and stuff so I was able to step away from my main avenue of escape, which was alcoholism. Um, I took a, I took a, a full month break and it was wild because that, in that month it was really empowering because at the time, one of my best friends, closest drinking partners, <laughs> friend, we, uh, it was his birthday in that month that I decided to not drink, but I still went to hang out with him and his and the other friends for his birthday, but I didn't have any, a drop of alcohol while, meanwhile, they're, they're drinking at some point, you know, they're also, you know, doing some other uh, substances in a not so good way, in my opinion, um, <laughs> which I used to partake too. There's no judgment at all. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, we have to go through what we have to go through. And then I also, my sister's wedding was that month and I didn't drink at all. My brother was, my older brother was like, dude, have some champagne. I was like, dude, no, man. Like, I'm, I'm, this is for me, you know. And he's like, but it's her, her wedding. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know. I want to remember it. I'm gonna remember the whole thing. Mm, and uh, and he ended up getting wasted. And I ended up dancing more than anyone on the dance floor at that wedding. And uh, um, <laughs> it was it was interesting to like be in that space completely sober because I was in this at the celebr the ceremony, you know, or at least this wedding and um. Every conversation I felt around me with all these people who felt who I could tell didn't feel comfortable with themselves and with each other would just crack jokes about getting drunk the whole time. And I was just like, oh, man, this isn't good. This is weird. Yeah, it's amazing how, you know, I always like to think that, you know, our resistance that we face always comes from within. But it's amazing in the world of addiction when we are participating in escapist activities with other people. Um the resistance actually comes from other people as well. Yeah. Um, you could feel their resistance and, you know, cause you by doing that shows them a piece of themselves that they don't exactly yeah. want to look at. Yeah. Um, it throws the world off because, you know, our rea- the way I see it is our, our reality is just like, it's not just, it's, it's just like infinite, systems and cycles working together you know like gears in a machine but if i'm going to change a gear it's going to have to change how the rest of the machine works Mm -hmm. which is their life or my life you know and if i'm changing my dynamic that means they're going to have to make an adjustment which that's the discomfort is is the fact that change is coming but we don't oftentimes you know if we're especially if we're in a lifestyle of numbing and escaping like we're not like well it's hard to look at things and we're not even aware that change that we're afraid of to change mm-hmm. um but later that year i went to a men's retreat i uh did this really deep shadow work um exercise in that within that men's retreat 
Um, and then the next morning I had a very, uh, fortunate and beautiful and powerful. And, um, I don't know so many things. It was an experience I got to, uh, I met the toad of the Sonoran desert, um, Bufo Alvarius, uh, 5-MeO DMT, AKA the God molecule. Oh yeah. I got to have a, um, I was the only person that was served and I was in the middle of the, uh, California desert and it was like, <laughs> I was invited through the trailhead at that moment because I had already been invited to drink ayahuasca with my partner at the time in a few months for her birthday, but I was having hesitate. I was, I was hesitating. And, um, but after that I was like, okay, I can, if I can do that where I thought I was dying and I made it through and it's beautiful. And I experienced this level of bliss that I never had before. I was like, okay, I can drink ayahuasca too. I'm, I'm ready for it. And then since then it's just been like, uh, learning how to walk <laughs> in a whole new way. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that metaphor because it's, you know, when you first start working with these medicines, it's almost like everything gets stripped from you, you know, yeah. and you're just, you realize that you're just, you know, an infant, you know, yeah. um, and really learning how to crawl, learning how to walk. Um, and I still feel like I'm in those phases. Um, and that's beautiful. Um, and then, so you went on and, um, you mentioned, that experience um with that group um and i believe i've seen i've seen a picture it yeah. looked really really potent um and it looked like you had a very powerful release um and i never asked you about um what that experience was actually like what were you releasing in those moments mm. yeah it was a it was a potent time of catharsis um i released a lot um so the way the exercise worked was, you know, there's like a circle of men, maybe there's like 15 of us. Um, and then there was, we all took turns going into the center and then there were two facilitators and they're standing like in my bubble, you know, within a feet or a foot or two of me. And it's my time to just share what's, what's going on. What am I hiding? What am I afraid to look at? What am I afraid to talk about? You know, and like, I'm there to do that. So I can't hide. <laughs> So, and they're, and as I was sharing things, they're pulling things out. Um, I don't really remember a whole lot. Well, maybe, um, I think I just shared some, some, uh, pains I had around like my parents, um, some disconnect there. I shared, um, some actually frustrations I had, um, with my social circles, like the guys in my life at the time, um, I felt off about how they would actually speak about women. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't like it. There was like a little bit of like, uh, ob objectification and, and misogyny and these kinds of things. And it didn't, and it just was always, it always felt off in me, but I didn't know how to like address it or even that it was okay that I could feel this way, mm -hmm. you know, like I didn't really have yet, uh, I wasn't able to embody the, um, the disagreement. Um, so yeah, I mean, during that practice, it was like, I was, I cried, I like screamed out some anger. Um, and then they were guiding me through like, okay, well, look, change is available. Isn't that exciting? You know, that kind of, uh, mm -hmm. approach. And then, so there was like excitement, you know, I was like pumped up, like, let's go. But through all these emotions, you know, which I had previously, 
needed alcohol to like really be able to show any parts of myself. So mm-hmm. I would, uh, so the, like part of the, you know, medicine of this practice too is like, okay, here, here am I falling apart. Here I am falling apart, so to speak, and showing all these uh, vulnerable place, parts of myself, expressing myself in a very vulnerable way. And then I look up and then there's these like really just like strong dudes right in front of me and they're looking right at my eye, looking at me directly in my eyes with like compassion, joy, approval, acceptance, embrace, validation, like all these things. Like I was like, oh, I'm seeing, whoa, this is weird. Um, and maybe some of them I maybe felt small near because I don't know, they're just like look like really strong dudes, but they're just like, it's cool, bro. It's okay. And that was... Um, that was a huge awakening moment for me too. Um, kind of shifted like what's important for me. Mm-hmm. And f- so f- going forth from there, it was like, okay, my current life situation, all these systems and gears in my own life, they're not working anymore. They're going to have, I have to have to do some work to like change that up because, um, something's missing. Um, so cue in the continuation of seeking. Mm-hmm. and uh cleaning purification all those things um it's amazing how when you know we can go and we can do all these inner work on our own and you know it's it's a lot of times easier than um you know going into that world of authentic relating and being vulnerable and being seen by people with all our flaws with all our weaknesses with all our hurt with all our pain but that's really where the healing is, um, at least where I've I've experienced it for myself. You know, when I can be seen in that, it's like massive, massive weight just drops off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to touch upon, um, you know, the aspect of men and relating to women, because um, I experienced a lot of what you were talking about, where social circles. Um, there's still, you know, a lot of misogyny and just, um, you know, men looking at women as, um, something to conquer, um, and almost, you know, still like, you know, having that, um, you know, misogyny and like, you know, wanting to conquer as many women as possible. Um, and, you know, for years, that was one of the first things that I also felt misaligned with me was with some of the community I was around. Um, and I had trouble addressing that too. And then, you know, integrating that into my life. Um, and oftentimes, you know, when that stuff would come up in conversation, I'm sure there were times I would partake, but um, there were very often times when I felt just like awkward and kind of would go silence. And that became my way of dealing with it um, until I decided kind of to, you know, speak up on some things or to, you know, maybe separate myself from people because you can't, it's not our job to change anyone. Um, And I'm curious how you dealt with that, you know, how you integrated that um, Mm. into your life. Mm. Um, I guess I just started to more so look for and follow and say yes to things that felt good to me. Um, 
even if they were scary and unknown and um so part of that time period was stepping away from my alcoholism which was uh you know the the bonding agent of my network at the time um you know i've been a been a bartender for for years so i've worked in restaurants and a lot of the um energy around eating out and and going i work i've always worked at restaurants never not so much at bars but there's still this like that's the it's it's like it's interesting because you know i've seen people groups communities and they're they're connected through like sacraments you know like medicines and things like that um which they're using in a way to to be better um to each other to themselves to the earth um but alcohol is like uh it's all it's the it's the same it's like serving the same purpose but it just comes with so much extra it it doesn't really support the like inner alchemy in a way mm-hmm. um and i mean it does in a way because it reflects back all this the darkness and stuff that's within us too so you know over time i think i just um it's just it's been like a lot of like a theme in my life of just trying to just um calling in and making decisions to to surround myself with people who are more in alignment with my values mm-hmm. um like i can understand i've i've i feel like i understand why there is this uh um objectification of women um this using of them um and you know i think misogyny is just like an expression of uh the objectification you mm-hmm. know it's like um not really seeing them as as humans but rather like a a, a way to to meet needs or to they're using we've this happens in across so many dynamics and humans but like um treating each other as a um, means to an end yeah know? yeah and it, it makes me think too like it's not even you know maybe it's just more of a human issue of um connecting with other people and really seeing them and living with compassion and maybe it's just um not only to do with how you know opposite sexes relate to each other particularly men to women yeah. but also how men to relate really relate to men mm-hmm. um you know in, in our culture with you know um the way things seem to go sometimes is like um we you know take and take and take um and we don't really often think about um people on the other end of that um and you know in business and chasing money and um trying to uh gain popularity and trying to you know chase love in all the wrong ways um yeah you know we often seem to lose compassion in that and and maybe a basic you know leaning into compassion um is is the answer um and just you know you would never just use and discard someone else who you see and you honor as a unique expression of god you know yeah i think 
I think the shift really happens too when there is also um, these things offered to ourselves. Um, like a teacher of mine <clears throat> has offered this kind of paradigm, this perspective of the way that he worded it to really address like the, the men and women thing is um, a man treats the world the same way he treats his penis. <laughs> and that's, there's a lot to unpack there, but like mm -hmm. think about that there's like a disconnect that I think a lot of men have. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, orgasms feel good. We can release stress. We can feel better for a moment. Right. And, and, and porn always makes us want to do that. So, um, or it's like this, it can be this, you know, there's if for those men who have had this, you know, early, this addiction to porn, I am one of them. Um, not anymore. Um, but it's like this objectification of the self, you know, like, and the me treating, treating my body as a needs to an end, uh, means to an end too. like, Oh, I'm not having a good day. Let me just go, you know, release myself so I can have a better day or feel better or something like that. So I'm using myself and it's not, it's not even about like, there's so much more available, um, to, to lean into and to work on, uh, when it comes to like exploring sexuality and expression and, um, and orgasms, like there's, there's expansion available, there's healing, there's, there's touch, like there's, you know, self-love, there's all these things that I'm experiencing in myself through some of the work I've done and <clears throat> I've been shown and taught, like, it's not about like, there's so much about like that, that climax point, you know, like, let's get to that point let's get the objective done. But instead, like we're like missing a whole journey. And I was talking to um, someone last, actually last night about it. Like, you know, like, like sex is amazing, right? It can be, it can be such a beautiful thing. And even like self-pleasure can be beautiful. Um, why don't we look at it like our favorite piece of music? Are we just like, you know, I can't wait till the end of the song. No, like, Let's enjoy the whole thing. I love, like, there's some, I mean, yeah, sure, there's some, you know, beautiful songs, multiple different, you know, levels of harmony, and there's there's the low points, and maybe there's, like, the build-up, and then it comes back, but then it's, it's like, it's a wave, and we like it all, you know, if it's a good one, and it really touches our heart. So why why are we always, like, in the bedroom, and or at home, in front of the computer, like, I gotta get to the end of the song, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, no, let's mm. choose a different song. One of the, yeah, one of the biggest switches for me in that was when I started really practicing retention. Yeah. And then, so anytime I would just have sex, nothing was about, you know, a climax. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, obviously thinking about that for her. Um, but it just become, because there was no, it didn't exist there. Yeah. I had nothing to do but to be present yeah. with the energy there. Um, and then, you know, things got really complex and like a beautiful way from there because yeah. I was able to be really present with the energy. Um, and then, yeah, there's so much powerful energy there um, that can be used um, for our systems to charge us up mm -hmm. and not just to discard and let go of. Yeah. And, you know, the whole time while you're in that fucking beautiful place of connectedness, be thinking about the end and, I think one of the loops that I got caught up in, what I've talked to a, a lot of guys get caught up in, is is the 
idea of how am I performing. Mm, um, yeah. And, um, you know, you just want to get to that end point where things went well and, you know, you pleasured them and it becomes a trap because you just, you can't be present. And your your effort is, you know, you're desiring to like really put being attached to the outcome and putting in effort and trying hard, like destroys the intimacy of the moment. Yeah. You're not being authentic. You're not being present mm-hmm. when you're in those modes. You're mm-hmm. trying to be something else, which you're not being you mm-hmm. in the moment, which is, uh, you know, requires practice and awareness mm-hmm. and sometimes teaching and guidance. <laughs> yeah. And they can totally feel that, you know, whoever you're with. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I've been leaning into these ways too of not wanting to release, you know, wanting to you know, retain. And I had a experience with a woman at some point along that journey and she was confused by me. She was like, it's weird. Like every other, like, why are you, why don't you want to, why don't, why don't you want to release? Like in like a kind of, I felt kind of like she was kind of concerned about it, but also like intrigued too. Um, and I think I noticed within her a little bit of like desire too to like support that, like because like that's why that's what she, you know I, that's what she thinks that I would want too, and like that mm-hmm. means that it's good too. So I think there's you know there's a lot of healing available when if we all lean into these ways too for not just men but also the women, you mm-hmm. know, and 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 because it if there's a for having a intimate physical sensual sexual experience with somebody we're sharing this moment and there's like you were talking about building up energy and. And, um, and if we give that energy to like, uh, you know, the rest of our body and and we can use it and, and just be like, so fully in it, there's so much more available that, you know, I've only just started to scratch the surface in that, in my, in my experience. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it makes me think like, there's been so many moments where, I am going down that road and it's really beautiful. And it's like, you know, I'm doing it because I feel it's right. Um, But, and it's like, it feels like self-sacrifice, but what you're sacrificing is not even close to what you're going to gain from like the closeness in that space. Cause there's a certain, um, what I believe like, um, the women I've been with in these spaces, they get very, very attracted to that, that mm-hmm. strength and being able to, to control your urges um, and to be there, not just to have a release, but to be present with them. And they, and they love that they seem to at least. Um, and so, you know, I believe maybe it's them, maybe they feel safer in that mm-hmm. and whatever that does for the energy in the space um, everything just becomes so enhanced. Like there's more of an opportunity to merge with the other person and not just, you know, be rubbing bodies together to ejaculate, but, or have an orgasm, but to actually have a deeply spiritual connected merging with another human being. Yeah. And that like, it sounds counterintuitive, but you know, you're talking about like the sometimes per- performative projected nature um, that maybe some, some men have and women too, I'm sure 
um, around like, oh, I need to like be this good in bed, right? Um, I'm not like this this narrative like, oh, I'm if I can't make her make her come, I'm not worthy, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But like, that's also a task, mm-hmm. you know. We're not really present with what's actually here. I'm trying to get there, mm-hmm. so it's also this like it it to for it to really work, both parties. Um, it doesn't have to be men and women. It can be men and men, women and women too. But like both parties involved need to, I think, you know, uh, need to be able to share this vision to to let go to do their own work to let go of um, the need to get to an orgasm because yeah, an orgasm like a, or the idea an orgasm feels great. It's one of the best things. Um, and we, can we let go of both of us trying to get there and just be with what is right now? Yeah. You know, cause, um, like breathe, just breathe into the moment and take time and it doesn't have to look like, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the aggressive and just like <laughs> super thrusty videos that we see on the internet, you know, like, <laughs> mm. I mean, sure, moments can be like that too, and there's a time and a place, and it's fine, nothing wrong with that. But like, also, these other ways are, you know, I think have so many benefits that we haven't been taught, and they've there's like ancient teachings around them too in the East. Um, so there's just so much exploring that we as a as a whole need to explore, you know. Yeah, that's that's a really good point about. Um, the woman and to have a shared mindset about that because you know I tend to talk about um, you know what I can own for me Um, but when I look back on my experiences um, I've fell into that trap multiple times where I am tying my experience to my function to mm-hmm. make someone orgasm and some of my most healing moments have been when that's felt in the space and they, you know, whoever um, that partner was, um, you know, would maybe bring that up and be like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I do or if I don't. Like, we're here to have this experience. And mm-hmm. it's so healing for me. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like, I can let go of all expectation, of all performance anxiety, and just, like, really honor this connection. And the sex doesn't even matter. But you know, the merging of our energies and the connection is, is what matters. Yeah. And there's so much of it like attached to worth, right? Like, Oh, I need to prove my worth as a man to, to get, if I can't, you know, like I said earlier, if I can't make her have her release, then, and if I'm, if I'm, if I release too early, then I'm performing to, to, to either not make that happen or make that happen, then mm-hmm. uh, my worth is like I'm dip- I'm needing her to validate me. Yeah, and mm-hmm. again, that's using her. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, if that's where we're at at that time in our lives, that's fine. Look at it as a reflection. We don't need to shame ourselves for having this like mode around like oh, I'm still stuck in this like needing to validate her. It's like okay, whoa, interesting. Let's get curious about it. What is it that needs to get validated? Why am I needing this? what, where can I like, you know, validate, like how, where can I validate myself a little better? Where can I love myself a little better so that I'm not coming to this needing something instead. It's like, I can bring, you know, I can use that as a reflection and then I can work on myself and then come to it a little more whole, a little more integrated. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause sometimes we, 
enter that space with this feeling of <clears throat> I want to be so selfless and I just want to be the best so that I can make her feel the most pleasure, but it's just not coming from that clean place. No. It's coming from that wounded place of I need to do this in order to feel worthy. And, and it's, you know, fo foolishly, um, you know, yeah. in a trickery Blindly. sort of way, um, it's selfish. <clears throat> it's tough too, man. Like I think, like I said, it's important to have the partner that's willing to do the work too, because I mean, I wasn't in a space to lead it before, but like, or, you know, a partnership I had in the past, like she'd get pissed at me if she didn't yeah. have her release and I, and I ended up having mine, uh -huh. um, especially because it always happened. I would always, you know, it always happened like right when she's about to. And we, <laughs> we had like theories around like why biologically why that happened. Um, but like, she's about to you know, have her moment and I'm like, fuck, you know, like, yeah. here I go. Mm. And she'd be pissed. And I would just feel like I would just acquire all this shame and it would just feed this already untended to story around me not being worthy. So, yeah. and it's low key traumatizing. You know? yeah. It's really, it's sexual trauma. It is. And, you know, I knew someone, um, back in the day in, in high school and, um, you know, they were dating and, and she, she kicked him out of the house because he he came early and didn't make her come and oh my just like traumatizing Dang, to experience yeah, and it's sure. like the type of thing where if you don't go back into and and you know feel those feelings and and go into the root that's going to be sexual trauma that you carry with you forever yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah i'd love to get into a little bit more about um being in community and okay. authentic relating in community um it's been uh such a, a key piece of my life particularly it first started with men's groups and um you know just being practicing showing up as my authentic self on a weekly basis um and you know it's it's almost like this thing that i feel we have to keep showing up to you know it never you know it never gets to the point where it's like, okay, we're there, but it seems like a constant practice of, you know, as we deepen ourselves, how can we keep showing up in a way that's true to ourselves? And, you know, I still sometimes struggle to show up as my full self in certain communities, um, but I know that the key is in um, just leaning into those fears and, um, you know, really inquiring about like, what am I afraid of? And, and, what is keeping me from showing up in my full self? Um, and I'm curious uh, on your journey, um, what what type of role has authentic relating played? You know, I know we talked about that incredible experience you had um, at that retreat. And that feels like, you know, it might have been the start of that type of work for you. Um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that. I feel like um, <clears throat> for my own life, you know, a big experience, a big uh, theme of my journey of healing and, you know, self-actualization, individuation is, you know, Jung called it. Um, it's, it's just about like being whole, showing up and being, being present, being, being there um, and not hiding, you know, um, Hiding can look like lying. It can look like 
staying like biting your tongue, not speaking out. It can look like um, putting on a mask. It can look like you know saying something that you don't actually feel just so you can fit in and agree. Um, and we, you know, and those, I've done those things, and I'm sure other people do it too. Um, <laughs> they would to do these things, these hiding, these hiding tactics because there's like a wound or there's fear. Um, there's something that's unintegrated. Um, so like touch, being able to like, you know, work, work with the fears and the, and the wounds and, and feeling whatever pain has been buried and, uh, rewriting stories, rewriting social cultural programs it, through all that it's, I've been able to, um, just be more myself and show up and disagree with people sometimes and like comfortably and not be afraid of that. And, but in a way that's respectful, you know, like we don't, I don't, I don't need to fight anyone, you know, in that way, if there's a disagreement, it's like, it's not going to get anywhere. Um, but you know, if in, in a intimate relationship of experienced like these moments of sharing some things that I've been terrified to share that in the past I've had similar experiences and I've, I hid, I lied, I, I, I avoided. And, uh, that only, you know, poisoned my, my cycles and my life, my, my rhythms in life. I only suffered more. Um, but leaning in and just being seen in, in my humanness and then being accepted and being received and being like, when I can do it without like really needing anything from the other person, just like, okay, this is, you know, this is where I'm at. Um, and I can, you know, maybe share some touch on some relative specifics around that, but I walk away always feeling nourished. I always feel stronger. I feel more myself. I feel like more confident. I feel bigger, um, like energetically, maybe physically. And that translates to how I feel physically too. And more capable in life too. Mm. Yeah, I feel like one of the major blockages is, you know, just in the human psyche from evolution is fear of isolation, fear of rejection from the tribe. And I, I think that this is so deeply um, entwined in our, our psyches. Mm -hmm. and, and I see it show up for me, um, you know, just kind of in the background sometimes of um, as a motivator of mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe um, don't show this part of myself, you know, maybe don't cause a commotion when I see something that's, you know, might feel a little out of alignment. Um, and, you know, it's just fear from being rejected from the tribe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's like a biological wiring mm -hmm. from what I've learned, or yeah. what I've been shown, like, you know, it's a, it's a healthy response, you know, it's like, it was designed we through our evolution to you know, not be ostracized because that would often mean death. Mm -hmm. But now that's not really a thing. Now it just means it might lead to like grief and sadness and, and pain mm -hmm. that, you know, but, but at the end of the day, if I'm being honest, respectfully taking ownership of how I feel, being increasingly conscious about my projections and things like that. 
and a community rejects me, then is that my community in the first place? Mm-hmm. Do I need to just hang out with them? I don't know. I mean, I think like in being honest and uh, and like super authentic about things, it it just <laughs> it like guides like life will just kind of guide us to what's important, what's what's going to work for us mm-hmm. because then we're becoming a match. You know, like otherwise if I'm hiding, I'm going to keep if I'm like lying and stuff, I'm just going to be I'm going to be a match for this reality that matches my dishonesty yeah instead of like who i actually am or what i actually feel about things um yeah i want to talk a little about because you show up in in such a good way you know in your you know dedication to truth honesty integrity and just showing up in a good way um you know it's you know i could feel that it's just a choice that you made you know this is how i'm going to show up um, and this is what I'm committed to. I really feel that in your energy, you know, every time I interact with you and it's really refreshing. And, um, you know, I know you talk a lot about integration too. And, you know, in this world now, you know, there's so much talk around plant medicine and psychedelics and entheogenics and, um, you know, so much uh, experiencing those peak peak moments um mm-hmm. but everything really is about integration um you know i've had experiences where i will get the same lesson multiple times in a row it's just like it hasn't integrated yet um perhaps um too much medicine and not enough integration and mm-hmm. so you know i've you talk about integration in in such a beautiful way um and i could see that you know um, just even in the, the six months that I've known you, um, like I've seen so much uh, growth and, you know, integration happen in, in the way that you show up um, and a lot of the ways in which I've heard you talk about it, you know, really, really speak to me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'd love to, you know, learn a little bit about your journey with integrating, you know, mm-hmm. after you have a big journey, um, you know, what might be the process of integrating that and so that, you know, you can show up in a way that is um, truthful, honest, in integrity, um, because it's almost like until we integrate, you know, it's, there's kind of like a blockage in showing up that way. <clears throat> yeah. Um, hmm. I feel like we can have a whole episode, episode about that alone. Yeah. There's a lot there. Um <laughs> few things come to mind um try to weave them together um you know like peak experiences altered states of consciousness uh, uh mystical experiences through entheogens psychedelics plant medicine amphibian medicine fungi medicine breath work you know fasting length, lengthy fasting all these things um we can get like really profound insights through them um, and messages and, and wisdom and, you know, wisdom, knowledge, perspectives, all these things. Um, I think it was Alan Watts. He had a quote. He said, once upon a time, he said, uh, like psychedelics are to the psyche, like a telescope or a microscope is to the scientists. Like use them to like, you gotta, you gotta go and you, you, you look, take a look and you go work on what you saw. 
Mm. You know, like you don't. The scientist doesn't sit there with his eyes glued to the microscope. He takes his notes and then he goes and works on it. Mm -hmm. You know, so in one way that these medicines and these altered states work, um, they can show. You know, they can show us what's important. They can show us parts of ourselves or uh, things or things we're doing that maybe we've been blind to because our shadows are running the show or unconscious is running the show. So they can serve these bits of these visions can serve as a trailhead to like where I need, where my work is. Um, and I, in the past struggled to listen. Um, they all, you know, these medicines work in other ways too. Like my current relationship to some of them, I don't really go to for insights anymore. I kind of go, I go, I, I, I go to them to process things, to, to feel stuff and to like grieve things because they can help me access, um, some really deep states of, uh, safety so I can process some emotions in a good way. So you mean approaching the ceremony with, um, intention to go into a specific, um, a specific, a specific thing that you've kind of already dug up and you know is present? Um, maybe like, it kind of feels hygienic sometimes. Uh, like for me, a really good, reliable practice has been um, solo journeying with uh, journeying with mushrooms mm-hmm. um, in my house. You know, lights out, maybe some some peaceful journey music, some soundscapey type stuff. Um, and things come up. You know, I start to like look at my life and. Um, Maybe I see how I was out of alignment. Maybe I was, I see where I was acting out of integrity. Maybe, maybe I'm pissed off that at someone in my life because they're being, because, uh, you know, they're being a certain way, but maybe there's actually just some really deep sadness behind it. So, so in these journeys, I've been able to like actually feel um, some sadness instead, like, uh, <laughs> I'm hesitant to share this because he might listen, but I'll say it anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I had this, you know, living living with my dad, um, you know, at a later time in my life now. And, you know, we, there's, we, we operate very differently. And I was kind of feeling like some frustration with him because of the way that he is. You know, he's busy and stuff. And, you know, I was, I and then I took some mushrooms and I realized I was just really sad because I wanted a closer relationship with him. But I was, it was dressed as this anger approach, you know, and, but, but the mushrooms, I, through a journey, I was like, oh man, I'm just like grieving now because I know life is short and fragile and I actually like just really want more of a connection with him. So example, that's an example. Did you go and have a conversation with him about that? <clears throat> um, a little bit, you know, to an extent, I didn't share that experience with him, but mm-hmm. maybe I could someday. I mean, but I've expressed things also. Yeah. Um, I've expressed some like frustrations or desires that I hope for, you know, more closeness and things like that. Yeah. I think uh, one of the powers of these, these tools is like ability to feel empathy. Um, Mm. I found it to be huge in my experiences with family healing too, with my mother and father, Um, you know, to be able to put yourselves in their world and like, you know, and you know, the pain that um, the anger that I might feel, um, I, I don't, it's not present now, but that have felt, um, you know, there's pain behind that for me mm-hmm. and for them, it's like, you know, if there's pain for me, there's also, we're in a relationship mm-hmm. and, you know, they're, 
in some role of that as well. And, you know, that pain is like equal and opposite for them Mm -hmm. um, in some way very often. And so, yeah, to be able to see that and feel that and, you know, approach those things with, um, with grace and and compassion is like um, super important and just such a, a beautiful way to, um, to bring closeness, you know, with people you love. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the psychedelics can really open that up. Um, and I love the the metaphor that you used with the the zooming in the microscope. And then it's like, okay, like, you know, I see this. Um, and now it's time to, you know, Go get to work. To work. Um, but I also, you know, on, a, on another level, um, I almost see it also as um, in a completely separate metaphor, a zooming out. You know, it's oh, almost yeah, like... Absolutely. Um, you know, it's like, it's like zooming in and zooming out and you get all the perspectives except that narrow (laughs) ego perspective that you're always getting. You know, it's like, um, it feels like coming into union with experience, mm -hmm. like all together, you know, it feels like I'm not separate from it. Yeah. Which I think, you know, the ego itself, um, which is a beautiful tool if we work with it, right. Um, through you know the psychedelic experience the ego kind of surrenders it kind of like lets go of control it kind of which because the ego is designed the way i see it is and other people do too that is to uh to keep to help us get our needs met to ensure safety and security um and protection um which includes protection so and you know we're, it, it develops because it served a purpose at some point so a lot of the integration process of shadows and, and 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 the healing journey is to like release to reprogram the ego so it can actually support our opening of the heart to so it can support its own surrender um so the way psychedelics i think they work you know there's a lot of talk about ego death but it's really like the ego doesn't die it just kind of takes a step back and like watches instead and what it does is it watches like the soul kind of work through kind of uh, relate to the to the experience instead of the ego and it's in it's in it's fear mechanisms protection mechanisms because if it it stops relating to life's experience from the fear space and instead in those protection ways but instead like allows us to relate to all of life zooming out zooming in and just connecting with everything through through ultimate presence and through the soul you know which is the the the, the deepest parts of our psyche like the essence of who we are that we're spending all these years and practices trying to like bring to the surface um yeah yeah beautifully said brother beautifully said um yeah i really love that man they've played such a pivotal role on my journey as well and um many of the ways that that you spoke of and um yeah man it's been uh such a, a beautiful conversation and um yeah i'd love to you know anything else on your mind that you want to touch on um um we're wrapping up yeah yeah we could wrap up in the next next few minutes or so okay um but yeah like i'd absolutely love if you would share you know i know you're doing some coaching right now um and you know you've been posting a lot of uh a lot of content and you know i believe you have a website too yeah. um i'd love to for you to you know just tell the listeners mm. uh where they could find you and you know what are you building mm. yeah i mean it's, you know coming back we didn't touch on it here but you know there was an intention to i think but to touch on this like 
realm of escapism and hiding. Mm. Um, yeah, we got time, brother. Okay. Um, like escapism, you know, we can call it addiction, bad habits, destructive habits. Um, escapism takes so many faces and really what it's, what it is, you know, like if, if I had to distill it is down to like, it's back to like the authenticity, the authentic relating it's hiding from ourselves, hiding, hiding ourselves from life. Um, which maybe means we're hiding our pain. Um, maybe we're hiding our limitations. Um, and I, I in my journey, I, I've used alcohol. I've used pornography. I've used cocaine. I've used MDMA. I even used mushrooms and LSD to escape my problems. Um, I I've used, uh, partners. I've used sex, girlfriends, dating, I've used friends, I've used uh, work, I've used, you know, so many things, Instagram, Netflix, whatever, video games, yeah, back in the day, um, to like run away, to hide, to to not deal with the discomfort that I was facing. Um, and that kind of goes back to, you know, like the, the suffering is a trailhead, like there, there's there's stuff there for you, you know, if there's a, there's a pain and discomfort, you know, and like for me in my life, like when all the pain and discomfort was there. It was calling for my attention and I, I just tried to run from it. But since I've, you know, shifted and now I go into it, I look at it and I work with it. I walk through the fire, through my darkness. Um, that's the way to like the things that I want the most, you know, like, Oh, I could be like, Oh, I want like, you know, a house with land and a, and a big family and, you know, maybe a nice car. Maybe I want to have a, be part of a community. I want to live a work like my, my, my income to be in exchange for like the work of my heart. I want to be more creative, all these things like, yeah, those can come to me, but also like I need to deal with this stuff too. So like, I like to look at it like if I'm running from my problems, I'm also running from my dreams because they're just obstacles and they're just in the way. And escapism is a way to, to not face those things. Um, and they go hand in hand, you know, and it's the problems are, are discomfort rather like nothing really needs to be fixed. They just need to be dealt with and whatever that means they need to be experienced. And, and maybe it's grief. Maybe it's, uh, you know, credit card debt. Maybe it's, uh, um, feelings of unworthiness. Maybe it's, I don't know. There's so many different things it could be, but my life my reason for escaping has been because I early on, I, I think I've just been working on healing and mending and improving and nourishing and cultivating a more beautiful relationship with myself. Um, because I, I heard this once and it really stuck with me. It's like, I've never had a talk. The only, or no, the only toxic relationship I've ever had is the one with myself. All other relationships have been a reflection of that. Whether it was me with my ex-girlfriend, my relationship with alcohol, my relationship with pornography, my relationship to marrow, to cannabis, um, <clears throat> to social media, like whatever it is, whatever the outlet is, my relationship to that is always a reflection of how I relate to myself. And that includes how I deal with challenges in my life, how I deal with uncomfortable emotions, what I choose to do with my time, who do I spend, who do I choose to spend my time with, how much time am I offer, giving to myself to just be still and not have to do something so I can actually catch up on, you know, reflections. Um, what kind of practices am I doing? What am I eating? 
healthy things, you know, like there's mm-hmm. just, there's this infinite, you know, um, yeah. You want to say something? Yeah. That's why I was going to say, that's why I love the word escapism so much. Cause we hear addiction a lot and addiction seems to put the emphasis on the substance, um, and the dependency, <clears throat> the chemical dependency, um, as if, you know, it's, you know, really about that relationship mm. itself with the substance, mm-hmm. but it's almost like when you break that, if you don't heal that relationship with yourself, it just, you pick up something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we <laughs> look at all these things and it's like, oh, you can't be, you know, addicted to this, that, the other thing. Oh, it's not possible. You can't get addicted to that. But it's really goes as deep as escaping with the simple things, even like food. Yeah. Like even, you know, just social media, even just you know, things that aren't drugs where you do develop a chemical dependency, but the simple things that we're escaping ourselves from. So I love that, that model of the world of addiction, of escapism. And that's why I love that, that word escapism so much. And, you know, I know um, Gabor Mate has um, a really beautiful framework on that. You know, it, it all kind of stems from self. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, man, I, when I gave up drinking, I, <laughs> I leaned on my partner at the time to, to make me feel good instead of alcohol. Mm, you yeah. know, I like used mm-hmm. her, I was addicted to her and her love. That's what I was addicted to after the, I put the alcohol down. Mm-hmm. But, um, something too that you touched on was like the, the healing element of recovery. And I've watched personally, um, I've healed so many things around um, or I've loved on so many parts of myself that used to be wounded and uncomfortable that actually led me to drinking and escaping. And as a result, the things that I used to be addicted to, I don't have power over me anymore. Like I, I used to be a, you know, like age 25 through 29. Um, I had already been drinking 10 years at that point when I turned 25 increasingly and increasingly but for those four or five years i was i was working in a restaurant working in a bar and i was drinking every day at least three drinks mm-hmm. two drinks at work at the minimum and then maybe a drink after work and then on my days off i would have like five eight ten twelve fourteen drinks i would also be you know putting powders up my nose and doing other things to stay up all night and escape and just to like try to feel good because I didn't know how to feel good if I was still because I had all these things that I wasn't dealing with. Um, but now, <clears throat> you know, after some traveling and I need to make some money and support myself and it's the way I know how to make money quickly is I, I'm bartending now. And it's just, I'm also absorbing the energy of uh, uh, that culture too, which is really fascinating to be reflected back to me. But I don't feel powerless around alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I used to be so consumed by it um in so many ways um but now through the healing i i'm reflected back and the the healthier relationship i have with myself i'm reflected back the the results which is like yeah i'm like that's funny like that's cool i can look at this this i'm surrounded by some really high quality delicious things that i don't really care about or want i don't feel Mm. called to consume them i don't need to run away from them um and I just also want to say too here, like this isn't, I don't want to like shame anyone who drinks because I don't see anything necessarily wrong with it. I don't see anything wrong with alcohol itself. 
I had a moment like last year where I was going through the like darkest time of my life for in like two months. I struggled with pain and grief and like my, touched on my core wound. And then there was a point where I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to have a fucking beer and eat some a bunch of brownies. And it was actually healing. Like it was a relief. And then mm-hmm. I was like, cool. Great. I felt recharged. And I like the next it took the next like months to like, yeah, felt like I took a break from all the intense work I was doing. So it can serve a purpose. But how conscious a teacher once said to me, like, can you consume it consciously? How much consciousness can you can, can you bring to the to the relationship you have with this thing? Yeah. Yeah. So much depends on that. And yeah, I drink too, you know, very occasionally, but once in a while. And I used to be a bit of an alcoholic myself. And as you spoke to, you know, that point when your relationship kind of kind of changes and that's been you know some of my favorite moments um of just like you know that feel like pure victory when it's like you know you kind of like return to you know maybe doing something or maybe it's a substance um and you're like wait I don't feel the power that this thing used to have over me. Yeah. It used to be this like massive um, kind of crutch. And now it's just kind of like, Oh, like, you know, this is here and I don't feel a pull to it at all. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's a, it's a reflection of, you know, that relationship with yeah. self that's changed. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it was never really about the thing itself. It's about w- what we're avoiding inside. You know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's, you know, the word integration. I mean, that's so much of what that is too, is integrating the parts that were hurting that or that were neglected mm. into to this current version. So they're not left behind. Um, so they're not going to drive the train and drive the, you know, drive the ship into like going and numbing out. Mm-hmm. They're they're here and we're, they're, they're accounted for and they feel good. They don't feel hurting anymore. So it's like, all right, cool. We're good. Yeah. We're more whole now. Great. We can act from a, a more grounded place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, beautiful man. I'm I'm glad you brought that back up because yeah, escapism is is you know one of my favorite topics to chat about. You know, and I know you go, you've gone deep in in those realms of um, escapism and and healing from that. Yeah, but you know, we're all trying to figure out <laughs> what it means to live a good way, live a good life, live right. And escaping can also be a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's important to, like, I've, in some ways, it's good to defocalize. It's to, good to take a break, mm-hmm. take a breather if, like, we're just constantly grinding and things. But we can, but how much, like I said, how much consciousness can we bring to the to the table? Or, like, cool, yeah, I'm going to go not, I'm going to go not think about something for a day. I need to just turn my brain off for a day. Great. So I can actually get back to work because mm-hmm. I've been grinding myself down to the ground. Like, I don't. We don't need to do that, but there's also but there's healthier ways to do it too that'll serve in the long run. Like, man, I go, yeah. I go, I hit the roller rink and hit the, like you know, roller blade for a few hours, and that feels like an escape because I'm just like flowing and having fun. Mm-hmm. But you know, if I choose to escape by putting some things in my body that carry a toll and numb me and um, takes me four days to recover, maybe it's not such a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's important to note something. You know, that's been important switch for me is like you know there's there's two kinds of rest like there's active rest and there's passive rest mm. and you know we could take that day off and just kind of do it really unconsciously mm-hmm. um and you know stop all work but just kind of let um our unconscious take over where we're just you know eating terribly and um you know scrolling on the phone and just you know um doing different 
different things like that. Um, or we could choose to actively rest, you know, to um, let go of those pressures from hustling, from, um, you know, that, that hustle culture, but, you know, to, to actively rest, you know, um, in ways like I'm just going to lay in bed awake for an hour mm -hmm. and do nothing. And like, you know, really have like active rest like that. Um, and I just wanted to make that distinction because that's been, it's been important for me. Um, and I do agree that, you know, these, there's, you know, I, I fall into pits of scrolling and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll use a substance here or there to, um, you know, when that does come up to escape and maybe that's good for me. Um, sometimes maybe it's not, um, but, but yeah, I just wanted to make that distinction because active rest has been, you know, such a, a game changer for me. Like, oh, is, is this rest I'm getting depleting me or is mm -hmm. this rest I'm getting like nourishing me? That's, that's a great point, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's bringing more consciousness to the, to the recovery, the reset. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to say something. Yeah. Well, um, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, you know, if you think of it, um, feel free to, to, you know, speak it. Um, yeah. but yeah, where can, where can the people find you brother? You know, like I said, you know, you're doing such incredible work in the world and, you know, Tomas is someone who really shows up, you know, um, really shows up. I can vouch for him. Um, he's, uh, really yeah. a, a good man and a shining example of someone doing the work. Um, really appreciate that. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so before I share that, um, you know, this idea, I wanted to talk about this idea I have of darkness. Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of coincides with everything that I'm about to share. Like, you know, we're dealing with our darkness. You know, some people call it demons. I, I don't like to use that word anymore. I used to. I think it's not really actually, it's missing the mark a little bit. And it's applying a judgment we don't need to. Um but darkness to me is like pockets of our deep psyche that are neglected light and that's it. And I kind of see, I've grown to see personality, our, us as personalities as mosaics, like this, like just being like built and comprised of like, or composed of like, you know, infinite versions of ourselves all working together is in, in, in how we express ourselves is like which parts are integrated and which parts are not. So if there's, you know, this creative part that's been neglected, it's going to start acting out, you know, and, and it is maybe in a destructive way. And it, so the darkness itself doesn't imply um, a negative, like the shadow, it doesn't imply a negative aspect of ourselves. Um, however, if it's untended to, if it's unconscious, if it's uh, neglected, it's repressed, it's going to act out negatively because it wants our attention. Um, and this is where psychedelics play a good role um, because they bring them out. They let us see them, you know, because they take away the ego, which which learns to repress those parts. So the ego kind of goes back and then these parts kind of come to the surface and it's like, oh, dang, yeah, I feel good now. That feels good for you to be here, that, that part of me. Um, so yeah, you know, so my, my website and, you know, this is kind of like identity piece around it is, uh, 
The Psychedelic Lighthouse. Um, my website is thepsychedeliclighthouse.com, and that's where you can get a hold of me one way. Um, I kind of feel like I'm I've been a psychedelic human because I've been dabbling in these you know medicines for a while, but I also just really love to pull things to the surface, and I really love to um, within myself and then also others through reflection. Um, so that's definitely a, you know one element of my work is to help people through my own reflections help them you know bring bring the repressed parts to the surface so they can integrate them and love on them and and, and safely guide them into being part of the, the their current version of themselves um and you know one one thing I'm, i offer too is to help people especially newer on the journey, but that they don't need to be like of exploring themselves with psychedelics because it can bring up a lot of stuff. If you, need, if you don't have the tools or the, the support network um, to take care and, and it can be quite a struggle and it, and it can make your life way harder than it needs to be. Yeah. I'm um, glad you mentioned that. And harder than it was. Um, and I have experience too. Of, I lived in a, you know, a medicine community in Costa Rica for 10 months and I were I was doing a couple ceremonies a month, and I wasn't really doing much to integrate it. I just was under this spell that the medicine was going to take care of all my problems, kind of in a way. And it's all good, and this and that, which it, for sure the medicine always helps. You know, like ayahuasca, it always it does it cleanses the body, it cleanses toxins. It, it can help you have cathartic releases. I mean, I healed. I had a great potent relationship or a potent ceremony where I. I released so much heal and healed so much around my relationship um, that I have with my mother in a really beautiful way. It was profound and that changed my life in so many ways. And also though, if I was just relying on these things and it, it brought me to a point of stumbling and, and falling down because I wasn't, walking myself I was relying on something else outside of me so I was actually <laughs> ironically uh, perhaps using medicines like ayahuasca to escape mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know I've had so yeah so a lot of the work that I've you know been diving into more and more is to not um, is to use them as you know guiding posts is to use the psychedelics as lighthouses um, for myself um, to figure out like the next move I need to make and but also like you know resourcing myself to feel comfortable enough to lean into the discomfort and to make the changes that, that are important and to face the fears and and to release shame and, and hiding and just to become, you know, more fuller, truer, contributing, caring, loving, compassionate, thriving humans. Yeah. Beautiful, brother. Um, yeah, my Instagram handle my, with my coaching page is Tomas underscore Trueno. Trueno is the Spanish word for thunder. Um, T-R-U-E-N-O. And, uh, and yeah, that's definitely, those are the best ways to find me and, and things I'm putting out there for now. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on, man. Um, real quick, I just want to revisit something you said. Um, you said darkness is, was it rejected light? 
repressed Repress, darkness well, as repressed light it's mm-hmm. no it's a it's it's a darkness is like I, what i said was it's a pocket of the psyche that has been neglected light neglected light that's okay because when you said that i was like that's and, that's really beautiful and, and i see that um so i just wanted to like re yeah, re-emphasize that and, we, and light the word light you know can be uh um interchangeable with awareness mm-hmm. now or and, and more beautifully loving awareness like because if there's a part that we're maybe aware of, we don't love it. We're just push it down. But like, mm-hmm. some, it, at early on in the development of ego, or at certain earlier developmental stages, we you know that you can push these parts down so that we become unaware because it's just like who we came to be. So bringing light to those dark pockets of the psyche, just loving on them and whatever they need, and and you know whatever they need to express um, allows them to be liberated and we become unburdened and they, and then we can feel we become more, more ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautifully said, brother. Thank you so much again for coming on, man. Yeah, man. Honor to have these conversations with you and we're always having conversations like this. So it's beautiful, man. Just looking forward to following along this journey with you, bro. Yeah, brother. Thank you so much for inviting me here, man. It's a little, uh, you know, nervous, you know, nervous at moments, but yeah, it's good. It's good too, bro. It's Mm -hmm. good too. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll uh, see you next time. Oh.